name's Ross Robertson, and this is my story. Uh, I always grew up in church. Uh, ever since I was little, my family took me to church. Uh, I went and moved around a lot, so went to a number of different places. Always enjoyed Sunday school, um, getting to know people there. And moved back to Ohio around sixth grade and started going to a church in Westchester. Started to kind of turn away from God, turn away from church, and it just became more of a social gathering. I would go every week and I'd see my friends, I would hang out, uh, go to uh, Sunday school in the morning, go to youth group in the evening, go on missions trips, and it was fun, but it wasn't any place that I really was growing. As I went to college and moved away from home, I really kind of stopped going. Uh, I had seen kind of enough of what I thought I needed to see from church. I saw some politics of the backgrounds and how things worked and didn't really, like I said, like what I saw. And so I kind of became cynical about church. And so I didn't go. As I graduated, I was with my girlfriend at the time. And as we graduated, we got married and, and you know, began our life together. And she really was the one that started uh, pressing on me and, and wanting to go back to church. And I, I looked at her and I said, great, that's fine, I'll go, uh, but I promise nothing. We started going, kind of finding our way again, uh, tried out a few different churches, and actually came to uh, Four Corners when it was at uh, Lakota West. As I hadn't been going to church for a while, I became really cynical and just didn't listen at all. Uh, everything that Ben was saying, everything that the church did, I picked apart. And so, you know, I really wasn't still growing. I was fighting something that I knew that I needed to get back into, uh, something that was pressing on me that I knew I should be doing and I should like, but I didn't want to give in. I was being stubborn. So we started going and we kept going. And I started to get involved. I started to meet people. Um, I started to enjoy the music and kind of, you know, tap my foot to the beat and really started listening every week. And it's been life-changing. It's, it's been something that I can honestly say has been a good thing. It's made me turn around 180 degrees from where I was. One of the things I love most about Four Corners, uh, I would have to split that into two things. One is music. Um, I love music in any form, just not really country, but I respect it. But I love the music. If it can get me swaying and moving back and forth, it's a good time. Um, and two, it's the people. Uh, you know, it, it says a lot when you can walk into a place and feel welcome as soon as you walk in that door. Um, and I haven't met a more friendly group of people in my life. You know, it took a long time for me to get to where I am today. It took going to church, kind of getting away from it, you know, and then finally finding my way back. And now I can finally say that I have a home, you know, I have a church family. I'm not afraid to get involved, I'm not afraid to try new things, I'm not afraid to say to friends and people I don't know, hey, there's a church that you should check out. Um, and, you know, I can definitely say that this is a place where my faith is growing and that I can see myself at for a very long time. And that's why you should go to Four Corners. Oh, I love to hear stories like that because 
they represent life change. Uh, that's called a testimony. For those of you that didn't grow up in church, a testimony is when you talk about the things that God's done in you and what he's doing through you, and you acknowledge his hand at work in your life. You have a testimony. Some of you, you're at the beginning on the front end of that, and others of you, it's been developed over years. But God's not done. And today, we're going to start a series called Twittermonies. Now, how many of you guys Twitter? Do you, anybody have Twitters? Yeah, listen, if you don't follow me, I am at Four Corners Ben, all right? Follow me, but only follow me if you want to hear about the church and my family and what I'm thinking, because if you don't hear about those things, it's a waste of your time, all right? Uh, I don't talk about anything else. But how many of you do Facebook, all right? Any, any more? Yeah, okay, that's good, that's good. And, and how many of you text? Text, yeah, text while driving. Anybody? Yeah, look, look around. The, yeah, uh, busted. All right. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to start this Twitter money thing. And what we're talking about simply is, is the story of God at work in our lives. And I know that some of you, even though a lot of you are like involved, you don't understand like the special skills involved in texting and Twittering and Facebooking. You realize there are codes, right? You, you understand what this is, right? It, there are shortcuts because in Twitter, you only get 140 characters. And so you got to like abbreviate everything. You misspell words and, and all that sort of thing. And I know some of us are a little older in the room. So I've got a, like a five minute introduction to Twitter codes for those of us that are a little older. All right, so here, here it is. You've heard of BFF. You know what this is, right? No, no, no. If you're older, it's best friend just fainted. All right. That, that's what that is. <laughs> Yeah, all right. And how about BTW? Right, by the way, but not, no, no, no. Bring the wheelchair, all right? <laughs> CBM, covered by Medicare, right? How about DWI? Driving while incontinent, if you're, if you're older. All oh. right. <laughs> FWB, friends with beta blockers. How about FYI? You know this one? Found your insulin. That's what that is, if you're, if you're older. I-M-H-O, is my hearing aid on? And L-M-D-O, laughing my dentures out. I, I like that one. L-W-O, Lawrence Welk is on. And here's my favorite. R-O-F-L-C-G-U, rolling on the floor laughing, can't get up. That's my... <laughs> and T-T-Y-L, talk to you louder. All right, so that's if you're, if you're a little older. Uh, we're going to read the story about a guy who had a pretty short testimony. His encounter with Jesus was brief. It left him forever changed. And he didn't have to take a lot of words to tell the story. He told about what was going on before, what Jesus did, and how it made a difference in his life. And that's all I want for you. We're going to, over the next few weeks as a church, work on our testimony. Now, we're not going to fabricate them. We're going to really dig down on what God's been doing. Because the truth of the matter is that some of us have been so focused on our lives, what's going on around us from our perspective, we haven't stopped for a long time to ask what God's doing. And a testimony is all about acknowledging God at work. And when you come to church, I hope you would expect that I would want to point your eyes up, get you to look at God. That's why we sing. That's why we open up God's word so we can get to know his character a bit, but also so that we can just see his hand at work in our lives. It's important for me, I tell you, even though I'm kind of like steeped in the thing and I spend a lot of hours of my day thinking about this kind of stuff in the church, it's still very important for me. I realize when I don't do this, my spiritual vitality begins to dip. I have to regularly focus on what God has been doing. And not just for me, but I have to share that as well. I share all kinds of things on Facebook about my family, about what's going on in church, maybe something that impacted me. But even more than what I share on Facebook, either whether it's consequential or inconsequential, those of us that have been impacted by Jesus, God wants us to share that testimony as well. You don't have to have a lot of words to do that. You don't have to be profound and deep. And, uh, you, you can do it short. You can give a Twitter-money, if you will. You can kind of give the abbreviated version as long as you can see God at work and as long as you're willing to share 
Well, you're prepared, all right? So what we're going to do is we're going to look in our Bibles or on the screen behind me at John chapter 9. Would you go there, please? John chapter 9, and we're going to look at the testimony of the blind man. I got to tell you, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's so meaningful to me because every time I read it, it's like I uncover something different. And we're just going to walk through the text today. That's all we're going to do. And then I'm going to stop because that's what I do when I read the scriptures. I stop and I comment on them. That, that's called preaching. That's what we do, all right? So here's what the Bible says in, in John chapter 9, verse 1. As he went along, that's Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. Why don't you pause right there? As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Now, sometimes I get accused of spending too much time on the preliminary stuff of my messages and not on the meat. And I want to tell you, I've heard your comments, but it's irrelevant to me because I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to spend some time right here, the first sentence in, even though we have an entire paragraph to work through, an entire chapter. Here's the first thing that comes to my mind as I read John chapter 9, verse 1, just the very beginning. And I'm very glad this is true about our God. See, Jesus saw the blind man even when the blind man couldn't see him. Now, that may not sound that important to you, but the reason it's important is because God here is the initiator of the contact. God is the initiator of the contact in this blind man's life. But here's the good news. Here's why this captures me. Here's why even though I wasn't blind in John chapter 9 and I wasn't even alive then, I see my own life because in my own life, God was the initiator in my life. He was the initiator in yours too. The Bible tells us very clearly that we didn't pursue God first. He pursued us. Before we were born, he came and committed himself to give his life for us. That's God's initiation. He pursues his people because he loves us. For some of you, the pursuit of God looked like this. You had a grandma pray for you. You had a Sunday school teacher invest in you. You had a counselor who stayed up night chatting with you. You had a friend who encouraged you on the way. You had a pastor or a co-worker who leaned into you and began to talk with you about God's stuff. And you didn't even realize it. Maybe you didn't even welcome it. Maybe you were on your last leg and it was just a desperate attempt to hear and reach out to anybody. But what was going on through all of that was God was pursuing you. It's nice to be pursued, isn't it? Last night I played video, video games with my boys. I try to do something with them uh, like that. And when we play video games, we don't have to talk, so it's really good. And uh, anyway, we were playing video games, and I played with my, my seven-year-old son. I was joking about that. I played with my seven-year-old son, and we play a shoot-em-up game where we shoot each other, right? And it's a lot of fun, very violent and uh, kind of masculine. And I destroyed him. I'm telling you, I, I, I destroyed him. It, it felt so good for me to beat my seven-year-old son. And, and, and I mean, it was bad. And normally he takes it so well. He normally does, but it got to him yesterday. It hurt his feelings. He, he, so he went and he crawled under, under Jill's desk and he sat there and he yelled, I'm not coming out. I'm not coming out ever. I'm not going to ever come out. And then what he wanted is he wanted me to pursue him. And so I got on my knees there at the desk and he started laughing and and, and we we, we played around a little bit. He didn't play any more video games with me that night, but, but, but he liked the idea of being pursued. Now we all like that kind of attention, don't we? It's okay. God made us that way to have and receive love. But sometimes we're so busy with our lives, we don't realize that God's been pursuing us. He stoops down, the Bible says. That's the way it describes it. He stoops down and gets on our level, gets right in our face and talks to us. That's exactly what happened here. The blind man couldn't find Jesus. He couldn't even see him. Jesus sees him. A man who had been blind from birth. Now here's where it gets interesting. Verse 2. His disciples, Jesus' disciples, asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? 
<laughs> yeah, you ever been around Christian people? Well, I, I know you're around them now, but I mean, like, have you ever, like, hung around them when they get a chance to talk and they're not just sitting all nice and pretty in church? You, you, you know this about Christian people? We like to debate things, don't we? I mean, we, we draw all kinds of dividing lines over all kinds of issues. Some of them are relatively important. Most of them aren't. We divide over whether we're going to sing this kind of song or that kind of song. Lights on, lights off. Casual clothes, dress up. We divide over all kinds of issues. We divide over theological issues, pre-trib, post-trib. Uh, I'm millennial, millennial. Uh, Seven-day literal, figurative. Uh, we divide over all kinds of crazy things and some important things. But at the end of the day, one thing's clear about followers of Jesus. We like to debate. And we like to figure things out. And I guess to a certain degree that's fine. In fact, in this church, if you have questions you're trying to figure it out, hey, you've come to the right place. We love that. But here's something we keep in the back of our minds as we do that. Figuring it all out is a secondary pursuit. It's important, but it's not the most important. The most important thing that goes on in a person's life is for that person to ask, not what's going on around me here, not how do I make it all make sense, but what does God want? See, that's really the ultimate question. What does God want? What does God want to do? What is God like? And I know this. I can sense kind of where a person is in their spiritual development by the kinds of questions they ask. Now, it's not that I can judge that. I don't always get to see their heart. But over time, something becomes clear. Some people seem to be focused on God and other people seem to be focused on themselves. In this particular story we're reading, the disciples are very interested in figuring out the details of what's going on. See, their background told them that the reason this guy was blind is there's somebody had to have sinned. Uh, uh, he was either him or his parents, and he was born that way, so maybe he sinned in the womb somehow. I, I don't know how that happened. Or maybe his parents are being punished for the thing. There's something about religious people. We've got to put blame on people. Have you ever noticed that? We, 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 I think we feel better. It's like the world is right. Things make sense. If I can figure out what's wrong with you and if I can connect the dots to what you did and that's why you're in the situation you're in. And, and then listen, let's just be clear. You don't have to have anybody do that for you, do you? I mean, some of us in the room are pretty good doing it for ourselves. I mean, we're pretty good at beating ourselves up over decisions and over actions and we can figure out exactly why we have the crud in our life that we have. One of the things I love about this story, one of the things I love about the testimony that's being built here is that Jesus refocuses the issues. He doesn't say that it doesn't matter. What he says is, is that they're second. And specifically, here's how he does it. He says, this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. This guy is blind and it's an opportunity for God to get glory. It's an opportunity for God to be elevated. Let me tell you this about your life right now. I don't care what's going on. I don't care if you're at the bottom or at the top. I don't care if you have all that you need or you're lacking a lot. I don't care if you're in the best relationship of your life or if your relationships are on the rocks. I don't care if you're 40 or 4. I can tell you this. You're in an opportunity. You're in a prime spot for God to do his work in your life. You're in a prime spot right now in your situation for God to get glory with what's going on with you. You're in a prime spot right now to build a testimony. A testimony is simply God is at work in me. This is what I was like before God got involved. Now, here's what it's like now. All of you are in a prime position. Do you understand that the Bible is full of people who had a testimony? They had a testimony. Now, there are a lot of people in the Bible who had titles, and they hid behind those titles. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, now he had a title. He was the king of Egypt. He, he had a title, and it brought with it certain prestige and honor. <laughs> but Moses, Moses had the burning bush. Moses had a second chance. 
Moses had a God who would lead him and he'd follow, afraid with trepidation, but he still followed. Now, Pharaoh had a title, but Moses had a testimony. There are people in the Bible who had the pedigree. They, they had it right. They had the right mom and dad, born in the right environment, went to the right schools, had all the right training. And other people came along and they didn't match up. They didn't fit. That little David, he wasn't the king's son. But God said to him, you're going to be king. He didn't have the pedigree. He wasn't in the royal line. God raised him up. He didn't have pedigree, but he ended up having a testimony. He wrote about the goodness of God as God protected him with the lion and with the bear. And God used him powerfully. A lot of you in this room don't have all the things you think you need. And yet God wants you to know that you're right now in a perfect place for him to develop your testimony and to use you powerfully. And a lot of you feel like there's already too much water under the bridge or you're starting too late in the game. And God wants to say through this story and through me to you today with clarity, your testimony isn't done. Don't give up yet. A testimony development's a tough thing. As I said, you're all on the development journey of your own testimony, but I think what we're going to discover in this passage is some of the things that become clear as the testimony gets developed. Some of the things that are a part of the process, some of the, the hurdles we go through and some of the turns we're going to go around. Jesus said, look, the debates are important to a point, but here's what I want you to know, that no matter where you are, God is willing to work in your life. He's willing to develop your testimony. But then he gives us a pretty theological deep, I think, understanding of why this is going on. Here's, here's what he says. Verse 4, as long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am the light, or while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And here's what Jesus is saying. Look, have your debates, have your discussions. But if you're following Jesus, get about the work of doing his business. Get about the work of doing his business. There's coming a day when we will not have time to do his work. And if you're a follower of Jesus in the room and you're letting the debates and the divisions and the dividing lines keep you from engaging his work, then you're missing the point. Jesus was saying to his followers, there's a certain urgency involved in this thing. I don't know how long you have to work for the Lord. I know he gives us this life to do it. Because in the life to come, we don't work for him. We get to celebrate him. We get to enjoy it. He's given you this life to make an eternal investment. You get the next life to spend eternity. This is the life in which there's great urgency to do the work. I know too many Christians who get enjoyment and get their identity from identifying and defining where they are in the lines and in the chart where they fall. And honestly, all that has a place. I've done a lot of that myself. But as I get older, one thing becomes very, very clear. And it's exactly what's clear in this passage. Have your debates, do your thing, theologize, philosophize, and argue all you want and get up eventually and do the work of Jesus. It's the most important thing the church can do. Oh, we got to help people with their questions. Absolutely. But as we do that, we can't lose sight that our goal is to do the work of the Lord. And you have to ask your own questions and get past your own hurdles, of course. But if you're following Jesus while you're doing that, put your hand to the plow and get to work. The church is not the church when all we do is philosophize. That's all my beating up I'm going to do. Jesus wanted his disciples to know it back in the day. I want you to know it today. The day is coming when we can't work. So redeem the time now. If you're in college, redeem the time. If you're in high school, redeem the time. You're single, redeem the time. You're married, redeem the time. You got young kids, no time for anything? Redeem the time because the time is short. 
And if you're 60, guess what? Redeem the time. Get to work about the Lord's business because there's coming a day when you can't. Give what you need to give. Spend what you need to spend. Learn what you need to learn and get out and do the work of Jesus. Amen, Pastor Ben. That's good preaching. <clears throat> now, having said this, verse 9, or chapter 9, verse 6, having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Now, this is strange, friends. If that sounds strange to you, I can promise you it was strange back in the day. Hey, here's what people expected. They had followed Jesus. They knew exactly what was going to happen. He's going to come up on a blind man and at some point the heavens are going to part. The clouds are going to open up and a radiant beam of light will shine. And the angelic choirs will begin to sing. And the camera will pan in. The camera will pan in on the guy. That's what they expected to hear. That's not what they heard. What they heard instead was... Not very spiritual sounding, is it? Doesn't sound all that uh, beautiful. It's not really what they expected. Jesus spits on the ground, gets down, makes mud, and he wipes it on the blind man. He can't see. He doesn't really know what Jesus is going. He can just hear this. And he wipes it on the blind man's eyes. Now, here's, here's a thought that I've, I've been having as, as I ponder this. I wonder... I wonder what kind of craziness the people around you would say is going on in your life as God has begun working his testimony in you. I wonder what you might be expecting should be happening to you if you encounter Jesus. I mean, I think some of us have the idea that if you make a movement towards God, then what happens is all the things begin to fall into place. All the pieces of the puzzle come together. The picture becomes more clear. It gets a little easier. But I got to tell you, when I read the pages of scriptures, that's not exactly what I see. I see that as God pursues us and we finally wake up and realize he is, and then we turn our attention towards him, I have found that often it gets a little more difficult before it gets better. Now, that's just truth in advertising here. See, it happened to Moses in the Bible, didn't it? Didn't it happen to Moses? I mean, here he leads the children of Israel out of Egypt. Right? He's got the testimony. He's walking them out. And they are free, baby. And the promised land is just inside. It's just a few months' journey away. They're going to lead all 2.5 million people from Egypt to the promised land just a few months across the desert. They're going to stay near the coast. So, you know, they have some green and, and grass and, and, and crops and fresh water. But it's only a few months away. But he comes up to the Red Sea. And he's either the promised land or at least generally know where it is. And there's the Red Sea. And that's bad enough. But pretty soon Pharaoh's army starts barreling up behind him with sharp swords and sharper spears and very fast chariots. <laughs> oh, they're excited. They're pumped. Woohoo! God's at work. Finally, liberation. We're free. Yes. Oh, crap. There's the army of Pharaoh. What are we going to do? No, how about you? I'm telling you, if you've been following Jesus for a while, you've gone through this, haven't you? You made that commitment. Some of you did it last week. You made a commitment that you're going to read your Bible for 30 days straight. No raising of the hands. For some of you, that's been hard, hasn't it? The moment you made that commitment, you felt God tugging on your heart. You knew you should be, and you said yes. Hallelujah. I mean, you expected some of you to go home, and like you would magically get an extra hour in your day. And ironically, this is the very week you lost one. Some of you, you thought that, you know, you just open your Bible and you begin to read and God would, light would come up off the pages and penetrate your head and, and what you found instead is, is that it's hard to find time to read God's word and when you even find time to read it, it's hard to fully focus. Some of you have committed to fasting. Some of you found how hard that can be. You've never been more hungry in your life than when you ask God to help you do a fast. 
Some of you said, I'm going to engage in this issue here. I'm going to cut off this sin. You made that commitment. You felt God leaning. You leaned in and it got more difficult. What's all that about? See, I think that just before heaven opens up, just before you get your answer, just before you hit a new reality, sometimes all hell breaks loose. Go ahead and make that commitment to give God a little bit more money and see how many bills come rolling in. See who ultimately needs braces in the family and the scholarship you have falls through and uh, somehow there's an unexpected bill and the water heater breaks, you know? Make, make that commitment to step it up and see what happens. Now, what's all that about? See, it's about testimony building. There is no testimony without being tried. There is no faith without it being tested. Faith untested is no faith at all. So what God does is he takes us to testimony school. And he says, all right, you clearly see I'm pursuing you. You're leaning in. You're making movement in the right direction. And now it's going to get a little ugly. And we're going to see where you really are. Now, here's the beauty. It's not that God's trying to test you so that he can discover where you are. God's testing you so you can discover where you are. This is where we miss it sometimes. God, why are you putting me through this? Don't you know where I... You know. Yeah, Yeah, he knows. He wants you to know. And so he takes us through the school of testimony development. He spits on the man's, on the ground, and he makes mud and puts him on the man's eyes. And then comes the most cruel verse in all the Bible. I'm telling you, there's nothing nice about what I'm getting ready to read right here. He spits, puts mud on the man's eyes. In verse 7 it says, Now go, he told him, and wash in the pool of Siloam. And this word means sent. Siloam means sent. Now here's the thing. He's already blind. Now he's got mud on his eyes, and Jesus sends a blind, fumbling gentleman to find the pool some distance away. Maybe you thought that as soon as Jesus put the mud on his eyes, the guy could see. No, no, no. No, 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 no. No, the man can't see, and now he's got mud in his eyes, and it's a little embarrassing, and now he's kind of fumbling around through that. Now, you can, this is the stuff YouTube videos are made out of, right? It's not pleasant at all. What's Jesus doing here? What's his point? Uh, He's developing the man's testimony because he knows right around the corner there are going to be some interactions he's going to have with people and people are going to start questioning him what happened to you. And Jesus is going to solidify this man's experience with him. No matter what is going to come this man's way, he's going to know that he's going to know that he's going to know that he and Jesus have had an interaction and it's changed everything. And he's going to, Jesus is sending him through the school of developing his testimony. Some of you are right there right now. Some of you are right there, right now. Jesus says to this man, now go and wash in the pool of Siloam. See, with testimony, sometimes things get rougher before they get better. It's a testing of our metal for us to see ourselves. And with testimony development, there's always an opportunity for obedience. There is no testimony without faithful obedience. I think we underestimate how important our faithfulness is to God. I think sometimes we believe that he loves us so much that our faithfulness doesn't matter to him. Well, he loves you. He does. But your faithfulness is very important to him. It's the stuff that your spiritual character is made out of. Your identity in him as you see yourself is forged in the irons of this kind of activity. Go and find your way. Now, the point wasn't that Jesus wanted him fumbling around. The point was, would this man do what Jesus told him to do? And what difference would it make if he did what Jesus told him to do? I mean, if he understood Jesus clearly. Now, here's the thing I want to drill down on for just a second. See, I think the most important question we can ask is not what does Jesus want us to do. I think that's the second question. I think the most important question you can ask today is what is the character of God for you? What is the character of God for you? 
See, here's the thing. I think some of us in this room, we know what God wants us to do. We have a sense of that, but we're not going to do it because we're not really sure if he's good to us or not. We're not really sure if he really will take care of us. We're not really sure that his character is such that he wants what's best for us. And we're deep down doubt not what he asks us to do. We doubt that he'll actually come through for us if we do it. I think we wonder about his character. I think there are people who date the wrong person because deep down they don't believe God's going to bring them a mate into their life that's fit for them. Instead, what they've got to do is date the guy that comes around or the guy that's available or the guy that's showing attention because they don't ultimately trust not the plan of God. They know the plan. They believe it's a good plan. They just don't trust his character and that the plan will work for them. I think there are people in this room right now who have ministries that they're supposed to be doing that aren't doing it because deep down you don't trust the plan of God. But you don't trust the plan of God because you don't trust his heart for you. This is why I never gave significantly of money. Deep down I thought that it was on me to take care of myself. And I would read the passages in the Bible that God made promises about when people would give aggressively in following his plan. I didn't trust him though because I saw my bank account. And I thought if I gave the money here, well, who's going to do my thing over here? And God put me through the testimony school, testing me, saying, now will you follow my instructions? Some of you don't believe that God's plan for you is good and that what he wants for you is real joy. And so instead, you've settled for pleasure. And because you don't trust the character of God in his heart for you, you decided to fill your life up with all kinds of temporary pleasure because deep down you don't think he wants to bring you joy because you don't know him. And that's why, friends, listen to me. This is not me self-pleading and you don't have to do it at my church. But that's why you got to go to church regularly you got to carve out time you guys got to starve for that today i'm not beating you up about it hear this as encouragement because when you come people open up god's word if you go to church that don't open up open up god's word go to a different one but typically you come and you open up god's word and you get to learn the character of god his heart is good for you and when you can't see it as good then you realize that his ways are above your ways his thoughts are not your thoughts and he's wise it's a character issue for him and he'll take care of you You trust him even when you don't know exactly what he's doing with your life at the time. You trust him. That's why we sing songs about how awesome our God is. We sing them loud and we sing them bright, light shining because we want the truth of those songs to get implanted in our lives, not so that we become little minions and all fall in step, but rather that we come to know the creator of this universe and his heart for us, his character. You get the character right, the plan will follow. You get the care, you you settle the issue of what God's heart for you is, and then when he speaks, you'll follow him. And if there's disobedience in your life right now that you're aware of, I can tell you somewhere deep down, you're not fully trusting the character of God in your life. That's what was going on with this man. Would he trust this Jesus? Or would he just sit at the gate with mud on his eyes? Jesus said, get up and go wash. You think it was easy? Let me, let me, straight up. Why did you think that when you followed Jesus, it was all going to be easy? Why? Did somebody promise you that? If they did, I'm sorry, they lied to you. Now, here's what's beautiful about it. Once the trust gets settled, there is an emotional comfort and a peace that comes. But I'm telling you straight up, it's not easy. It takes real men and real women. Maturity will happen here if you stay with it. And it's a good thing. So what did the man do? The Bible says, so the man went and he washed. (laughs) It's always going to be an issue of obedience for you. You're never going to get away from that. Do I watch this show or do I turn the channel? Do I I turn off the TV and engage his word? Do I speak these words in anger with this tone or do I guard my tongue and speak words of life? 
You're always going to have an opportunity to obey or not obey. And when you choose to obey, you begin to pass the classes in testimony school. Your character gets forged. Your identity in Christ gets established. And who you are, your identity in him, becomes more real and more solid and more developed. So the man went and washed. And what was the product of the schooling that he was getting from Jesus? And he came home seeing. Praise God. His eyes were opened. He came home. He went blind. He went with mud on his face. He went uncertain but trusting. He went with blind faith, literally, didn't he? And he came home seeing. Friends, that's good preaching right there. That is the character of God being enacted. And this is your story as well. This is our story. This is everybody's story who stuck with it. The people in the Bible, they stuck with it. They stuck with it and the sticking with it, the faithfulness and the obedience and the hanging on. Oh, I'm certain they wanted to cash in. I'm certain they felt like, what the heck is God doing? I just committed it. I just said yes. And now this is happening? We, we, we just came together as a, as, a, as a couple to church and now I'm having these challenges in my family. We just came together and now we can't get pregnant. We just came together and we committed these things and now we're having these challenges. It's testimony school. God is very interested in developing our testimony because he knows that we are going to live with him for a long time. He wants us here and now to get to understand who he is and what he's like so that our heart will long more for him so that when we get to heaven we'll be fully satisfied. So that we'll know him deeply and we'll be known. Paul says it this way, that on this side of the earth, it's like we're looking through a dark glass. But there's going to come a day when the character of God is going to be fully revealed to us. And he's going to pull away the darkness and we're going to see him face to face. And we're going to know his character and all the stuff of this earth that we wondered about and questioned about and, you know, tilted our head about and, and, and complained about. It's all going to have its perspective because we're going to see it from God's perspective. So... What happened to this guy? What happened to him? Well, what happened to him when he came home seeing is he encountered some of his neighbors and some of his friends, the folks who used to pass by him as he sat at the gate begging. So in verse 8 it says, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging him asked, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, it only looks like him because the man who sits and begs was blind. This guy's not blind. But the man insisted, I am the man. How were your eyes open, they demanded. Now he replied, here's his Twitter money right here. The man they called Jesus made some mud. He put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed. Then I could see. Now here, here's the challenge. It made no sense to anybody he spoke to. Now here, here's the deal about God. Sometimes what he's going to do is not going to be explainable. But at the same time, it's going to be undeniable. Sometimes, if you Twitter, there you go. Sometimes what God does is unexplainable, but it's not undeniable. That's, that's my testimony. See, you can't take my testimony away. You'll never convince me, no matter how you do the math, that my 90% of my income that I keep and spend, you'll never convince me that it doesn't go further than the 100% I used to have before I started giving my money to God. See, I know this, my experience is, and you, you can do what you want. This is my experience. You can't take it away from me. When I started being faithful with my income, my 90% goes further than the 100% ever did. That's just my story. What's your story? When I started treating my wife better, I started following the teachings of the scripture about how a husband's supposed to treat his wife, our marriage got better. That's my story. I can't explain it all. But you know, in a few days, I'm going to go watch a Reds game. 
When somebody gives me some tickets, I'm not paying for them. Um, but I don't like them that much. When somebody gives, I'm going to go watch the Reds game, and there's going to be a guy standing there with a, a wooden stick in his hand. It's, you know, maybe three and a half inches of diameter, and somebody's going to be standing a few hundred, or a few yards away from him. I don't, I don't, a hundred, I don't even know about baseball. And standing on a mound, and, and he's going to hurl a fastball at this guy at 95 miles an hour. Now, here, here's something undeniable is going to happen that I can't explain. <laughs> Somehow in that batter's mind, he's going to make all kinds of quick splits, twinkling of an eye kinds of decisions. He's going to uh, quickly assess the speed of the ball, the trajectory of the ball, and he's going to begin to, neurons are going to fire, and he's going to begin to smooth his arms in quick adjustment and make contact with it. It happens a lot. I can't fully understand fully how all that happens. I can't explain it. But man, when that ball hits that bat and the crack happens and it goes over the wall, undeniable. You can't take that away. Even if you don't understand, like I don't understand, all the mechanics, when it happens, you know it. This is what happens with testimony. That's why God wants to give you a testimony, because somebody's going to come alongside you and question. That's okay. You're up for it. They can't take your testimony, though. Oh, they can take your knowledge. They can take your logic. It has its place. I'm a big fan of it. We're going to be investing in that aggressively as a church over the next few weeks. We'll talk about that in a moment. But they can't take your testimony away. And why did that man need to go through testimony school? Because people were going to wonder. His neighbors went around him and said, aren't you the guy? Aren't you the guy? Aren't you the guy? It wasn't just his neighbors. In a few verses, you could read this chapter when you go home. It's going to be religious folk. The Pharisees are going to come around him and go, wait, what happened to you? On a Sunday? You're not, uh, on the Sabbath day? You're not allowed to work on the Sabbath day? Who did this to you? Uh, That's demonic. It's not even godly. You, You can't be the thing. And even his own parents, people are going to go to his parents and say, what happened to this guy? His own parents are going to go, we're not going to defend him. You have to ask him for yourself. Each time this guy was given a chance to give his Twitter moaning. And in a few short words, he said, I don't know. All I can tell you is I was blind. I encountered Jesus. Now I see. I'm telling you, friends, that's a powerful testimony. Where have you encountered Jesus in your life? Honestly, are your eyes trained enough to see him? Or does he need to put a little mud in your eyes today? Does he need to send you to go wash? I have to do that regularly. I have to go wash the mud out. I have to obey him so that I can see his hand. When I do that, his activity in me, to me, and through me becomes more clear. I see my testimony. And it doesn't matter what you guys say about me. It doesn't matter if you tweet that I don't preach well. It doesn't matter if you send an email saying I go too long. It doesn't matter because I see him. It doesn't matter what somebody else says about me. I just made those things up, friends. It's Things happen. What, what, what happens to you? When your friends say you're not cool. When, you know, you, you make a commitment, for instance, to be sexually pure, young men. And the moment you do, the smokingest, hottest girl comes into your life. You know why they're smoking hot? Because they're from the pit of hell. That's why. Straight up. <laughs> they still got the smoke of hell on their life. I mean, go ahead and make that commitment. See what happens. See what happens. God wants to take you through testimony school. And he wants to give you an encounter with him that will leave you changed. Here's what it was like before. Here's my encounter with Jesus. And here's how I'm different. And I want that for you. And I want that for every person that comes to this church. I want them to go to school with Jesus and learn how wonderful he is. How beautiful his character is. How good his heart is for them. So let's do this together. Let's take out our connect cards and take a few steps together as a congregation. Next step A is really just an acknowledgement. It says, I have a testimony of God's work. Hey, if this is you, if you realize that God has done something in your life, maybe you haven't even trained your eyes to see it. You need to kind of wash the dirt out. You could check this box. And I ask you then to go home. We'll send you a little reminder. And just think about three simple phrases. Here's where I was. 
Here's what God is doing and has done, and now here's where I am. That's your testimony. It's what I was. Jesus did this. Here's where I am. Think about that. And focus your eyesight on him a little bit. It's a powerful thing when you do that. If God's done something in your life, give, now let, let me be straight. Some of you guys act like you don't have any reason to praise him. Let me just be straight with you. I've done it too. I mean, you, you kind of act like he didn't get you up this morning. That somehow you created your own heartbeat and breath. You know, that it was completely your doing that you have a roof over your head. And you don't even give him credit for bringing you to birth in a country like ours where you have so many blessings. Some of us act like we don't have any reason to praise him. Our testimony as it gets developed and our eyesight gets developed, we begin to see his hand at work. This is a major tool in your arsenal as a follower of Jesus. Revelation chapter 12 says this, that the people who overcome the enemy do it through two means. The blood of the lamb. Now that's the work of Jesus on the cross. The blood of the lamb. You can't do anything about it. It's already done for you. But the second thing you can do a lot about, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, they overcome the enemy. Enemy been running havoc in your life? The blood of the lamb is already established. But the word of your testimony, now you can work on that. You can see God's hand at work in your life. If you need to focus and work on this, check the box. We'll just send you a little reminder and let you spend some time thinking about that. Here's next step B. It's essentially the same thing, but it's a little bit more focused. I have a testimony how God's used four corners to impact my life. Now, here's why I'm asking you to do this. It's not because we're, you know, just crave the, the information, although we do because we love to hear these stories. It's more than that. See, there are people around you who serve and give and have prayed for and fasted over and made this thing happen. They set up your chairs, put your pens on, and they don't get paid. I, I, I get paid. They, they don't, though. But their paycheck is to know that what they do makes a difference. That's why they love on your kids. And some of them aren't so nice. Obviously, no, our volunteers are. Your kids aren't. And that's why, honestly, they change poopy diapers and they wipe down toilets and urinals. You know, and they cut grass and they serve here and they come to the office and get, you know why? Because they believe it makes a difference and they love to hear the difference it makes. Oh, they're doing it for the smile of God, but it's a really sweet treat when they get to hear it. If God's impacted your life somehow through our church, we want to hear it. You can go to our website and there's a link that says Twitter money. And you just put your name and email and then there's a little box and you don't have to use a lot of words to simply say, here's how God has used this church to touch my life. We, we, we crave this stuff. Because it reminds us that everything we encounter is worth it because God's doing work through us. So if that's you, we'd love to hear it. Here's next step C. Some of you need to attend my class I'm doing on Wednesday night, starting this Wednesday, right here in this room at 7 p.m. And over the next 10 weeks, we'll do six sessions. Those dates were sent to you last week. If you check this box, if you check it today, we'll send them again to you. And you can come this week, 7 o'clock. We offer child care. You just have to pre-register for that. And all that information is in the email. And you need to learn the character of God as we begin to go through the pages of Scripture. It's kind of a freshman college level. And, you know, that, that's the kind of level we're going to be doing, kind of a one-on-one uh, on this. And so um, if you haven't done more of an academic approach, um, then you want to come. This will be good for you. All right, and the next step, D. One of the best ways you can give your testimony is simply to get baptized. And we have a guy who's in the, uh, the army here at the church, and uh, he's away getting some training. And he's going to come back on the 27th, just before he gets deployed overseas. And he asked, could he get baptized? And we said, oh, heck yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're giving your life for our country. Your life's going to the Lord. You love your church. Yeah, you get back here on that Sunday. And, we'll, and so we thought we'd open it up to everybody else. There's four other people we know of getting baptized. If you've committed your life to Jesus, one of the simplest ways to give your testimony and to say, Jesus has changed my life is to get baptized. This is a great day to do it. March 27th. Check the box. We'll send the info. All right, let's pray about these things. And over the next few weeks, you don't want to miss because you're going to hear story after story of how God is at work and it's going to build your faith. And by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimonies, we're going to be made overcomers. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. God, thank you for your goodness. Uh, I've doubted it, Lord. Sometimes I've wondered what you were doing to me and why you allowed things to happen. And especially after I'd lean in a little bit. But God, I've been walking with you long enough now to know you really are good. I mean, that prayer I used to pray as a kid over my meals. God is great and God is good. Never been more true to me. Thank you for being a good God who has a good heart for me. God, not just for me, but for every person in this room, you're a good God. You want nothing but the best. Lord, convince us of your character. Father, secondly, don't quit schooling us in our testimony. Help us to see you clearly. Remove the mud off of our eyes. And when people come up and question, we have doubts and concerns, let us work through those using all the intelligence and every bit of of a resource you put at our disposal, but at the end of the day, God, make our testimony louder than any other conversation we have going on with anybody else or conversations going on in our mind. Yes, my life before Jesus was this. Jesus changed me, and now it's like this. And God, raise us up to be overcomers. We pray it in your powerful name. Amen and amen.